to the Todd Pod here on ToddLisenby.com, a part of the Sellout Crowd uh, network. And joining me, as you can see, another guy. He's got it plastered all over his chest right now. He's Sam Mays. You can find his stuff at SelloutCrowd.com as well, or go visit him at SamMays.com. Talking a little college football because we did it, Sam. We finally made it to the college football season last weekend, one weekend in the books, and it was kind of a miserable weekend for a couple conferences Let's start with the Big 12. Texas Tech <laughs> loses to Wyoming. Baylor loses to Texas State. Uh, Oklahoma State was not very convincing. Uh, Texas was not very convincing to a lot of people. It right. was not a, BYU was not very convincing against Sam Houston State. It was not a very good week for the Big 12 conference, aside from you know Oklahoma was kind of the standard bearer on Saturday in the conference. Obviously, big loss for TCU as well. Forgot to mention them. Right. I'll, I'll say this. I think we all need to realize that, you know, I going to the gym and, and working out, there's a bunch of Deer Creek kids, Santa Fe kids that are hitting the same gym that I do. And Todd, when they're 16 years old, they look like they're 21. What, what has happened to our young people today and the way that they train, the attention to detail, these these high school programs and the strength and conditioning programs that they have. I mean, Bigsby's got Bigsby's got some. uh 60 kids that hang clean 225. Mm-hmm. What? That's crazy. That those are crazy numbers. So when you start talking about, you know, the the Arkansas states and the central Arkansas and the Wyoming's, Wyoming's facilities are incredible. Wyoming's got a full sand pit in their gym for their offensive line, Todd. It is awesome. You get a chance, you should Google Wyoming's facilities. They're just wild. So what you're getting at Sam Houston State. You go to Texas to play football, I don't care what the league it is. You're going to get something because those Texas boys 100% going to represent their state, their schools, where they're from. They're going to play big-time, hard-nosed football. Wyoming, same type, type of vibe. Like, we have to stop taking these teams lightly is, is what the issue is, right? And so when you talk about the way that Oklahoma kind of fl- carried the Big 12 flag, the what why this first game for OU looked so different than last year's first game, even though that was – still a beat down. It's the attention, the detail and the focus on beating the ever loving hell out of the opponent. Everybody that took the field for the Sooners did not just want to do their assignment. Well, they wanted to dominate the person across from them. Offensive linemen finishing their blocks downfield. Rain had a great block in the end zone where he just flat backs and nose guard drives in three, four, five yards into the end zone. It's a little things like that. When you start making highlight reels, every single play, that let you know your team is ready to take on their conference, their, their conference opponents, right? My goal, Todd, in games like this, the non-conference games as a player, was to be out by halftime. I don't want you to see yeah. me in the third yeah. quarter. I want to well, have. That's the, best, that's the best way to deal with the heat, Sam. Is just only absolutely. Play half. That's correctly. That you're 100 percent correct. Like you 100 percent are correct. You don't want to be have your starters out there longer than half a football in these moments. But you have to have that that focus, that mindset going into these games to handle business that way. And that's what the Sooners did. Everybody else, you go out there in Texas and and if you're uh, Oklahoma State, if you're Texas Tech, Baylor got – I haven't seen – I didn't watch the Baylor game. I'm almost a little nervous. I can't imagine what has happened to them that they got their butts beat that bad, especially for a defensive-minded football team. For them to just give up forty, was it forty points they gave up to Texas State? You know, I, I heard some. I heard someone say, Sam. I, I think this is big on Dave Aranda. It, it's Matt Rule's players that he won with when he first got there. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So 
we'll see what happens there. But yeah, the Big Twelve looked a little less than we were we would have hoped for sure. And it doesn't help that TCU goes down, but I'm not gonna lie, I'm getting me a Colorado Buffalo t shirt. Hey, have you ever been to Boulder? Oh yeah, I played in Boulder twice. Oh, yeah, you, you would have played in Boulder, yeah. Yeah. Beautiful, mm-hmm. isn't it? Oh, it's incredible. It's an incredible Beautiful. campus. I, I would just say this with TCU, it's not quite as bad because Colorado kind of the Big Twelve can claim. Right. Like for next year, right. so it's not quite as bad. But uh losing to Texas State is a really bad look. Uh, you know, and then and then let's go with another conference also, the SEC. Three big games in college football this weekend, starting with Florida, Utah, all the way back on Thursday. Florida loses to Utah. North Carolina handles South Carolina pretty easily. And then I thought Florida State just looked the more athletic, the more physical team against LSU, which like that's hard to do, Sam. You know how hard it is to look more athletic than LSU. Yeah, I, I was telling a buddy of mine this. Uh, when LSU is not good, it's not because they're small or slow or any of those mm-hmm. things. It's because they're undisciplined, right? It's because they're undisciplined and, and maybe at times, you know, they've got a, a what's that? Uh, was it Justin Jefferson? Who was a quarterback in like 2011, 12? You know what I mean? Like every once in a while, they'll just get a real average quarterback at down in the down for there for some reason they just can't keep consistent guys on that like roster Matt, Matt Mock back in the day yes right Mock. yeah correct yeah every once in a while they'll find themselves in the slump at the QB spot but rarely will you see them not be the biggest fastest team out there and that's exactly what you saw against Florida State they went out there and got their asses beat I mean just for four quarters of football they were physically dominated by Florida State who has a tradition of also having some big bad boys in that team. I mean, Dade County and, you know, we all know what South Florida represents in in high school football and what they do every single year in recruiting. So I get why Florida State's got a roster, but I was completely surprised to see LSU um, overwhelmed the way they were through, you know, basically, you know, two and a half quarters, LSU kind of put their foot or Florida State put their foot on LSU and really kind of kicked them a little bit. That was shocking to me. Yeah, and then let's let's talk about this is kind of a crazy stat. I saw this on Twitter, and I want to let me double check. I want to make sure I give credit where it's due. Uh, this was Adam Stanco from Twenty Four Seven Sports who put this out there. The Pac twelve as a conference. Now remember, USC played in Week Zero as well, so they've got two games in the books. But the twelve Pac twelve schools are thirteen and zero this year. Wow! And as a conference, this is the first time this has happened in the last forty years. And we say this on a year where the Pac-12, like, next year doesn't exist. Right. It's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy. And I know that it went under the radar this weekend because they didn't play anyone good and they'd already played in week zero. But I think we forget, like, quarterback wins in college football. And I know in Oklahoma people hate Lincoln Riley. But the stuff Caleb Williams does, I mean, it is Patrick Mahomes-esque. Like, I jokingly say the Packers are going to go 0-17 this year and draft Caleb Williams. But I would not hate it. I would deal right. with an 0-17 year as a fan to know I was getting that because he is in a world where there are so many good quarterbacks. He is so next level. What do you think that his – I'm curious to know what Caleb Williams' athletic ability, his overall speed, and maybe not speed as much as his ability to get to get off the ball, his quickness, is going to translate to the NFL, Right. So, like, I, I'll sit and remember, you know, I, I said Baker Mayfield was going to be the first pick in, in the draft in October, and I got laughed off the air. I had people calling the show and oh, literally laughing at me. I laughed at you. Yeah, like, and I just I just knew he was going to be that guy. 
but I didn't know if his legs were going to translate. And we found out about two weeks in the NFL, his first season, that they weren't. And that's been Baker Mayfield's biggest issue is this kid's a, he's a creator, right? He's a draw a play in the dirt with a stick kind of guy that wants to get out there and just make it happen somehow, some way. Well, his body won't allow him to do that in the next level. I think Caleb Williams is probably a better athlete than Baker Mayfield for sure, but I still don't know that he's got the get up and go that it's going to take to be that creator in the league. And if you take that from him and make him stay in the pocket a little bit more, is he the same kind of player that he is right now in college? I, I don't know. You know, I don't know that he's that same dude because you're seeing, and I don't think that Patrick Mahomes is extremely um, quick or like one of those guys that wants to just tuck in and run by any means. But Caleb Williams thinks that he is, he thinks he's Superman. He thinks he's untouchable. He thinks that he is, you know, the greatest player in college football. Maybe he is again this year. I mean, heck, at this point, you probably need to bet on it that he is. But I'll be curious to know when he's got to retool, essentially, in the NFL, what he looks like then, right? You what ever, can he do then? You ever try to play the drums, Sam? The drums, no. The drums. You've never tried to play the no, drums? No, never tried to play you've the drums. You've got like the bass drum at the bottom, and you've got to keep it going at a certain beat, but then with your hands, you've got to do a different beat, and your foot's got to be going at one beat, and it can't get off beat because your hands are do- – like it's hard to do. It's kind of like patting your head and rubbing your belly at the same time. <laughs> like you end up doing the same, right? Like Right. And what Caleb Williams can do that Pat Mahomes could do, and Baker Mayfield did at the college level, but I honestly think size hurts him a lot, is – his brain works so fast yeah. that he's able to avoid rushes while also in his mind looking like Zach Galifianakis in the, the hangover with all the different equations coming up, right? Like he's he's able to think of those things in his head and he's able to pick apart the defense while avoiding the rush, right? And I think I don't think you see that very much, especially not with that level of athlete. And you say he can't break off runs. And I agree with you. He does at times not look slow, but he looks right. more deliberate, right? Correct. But when he gets out in the open field, remember the one he broke off against Texas, his first Right, season, he runs away. And he goes 60-something yards. So he definitely, we know he definitely can. Let's talk about some games coming up this weekend, Sam, as we look to week two. And the big one, Texas at Alabama. Alabama about a touchdown favorite in this game. It was a really good game last year at Darrell K. Royal. Uh, just as we blow through these, you think the Longhorns have a chance this week? I think they have a chance. You know, I think that Alabama also doing a bit of retooling this year and trying to figure out what their identity is. You saw them look a little, I mean, they, they were dominant in their first game, but we all know what Alabama looks like when they're national championship contenders and when they're hitting, hitting on all cylinders early. You know, Alabama went out there and they got some things they're working through also, including some injury situations. So, um, I, I would tell you, I expected more out of Texas. You know, pr- prior to the season, I would have told you Texas was probably my big 12 favorite. Uh, this year, I love their offensive line and what they've done uh, with that group. You think that you would have seen, um, oh, what's the quarterback's name? Quinn Ewers. I'm having a, yeah, you, Ewers. you thought you would have seen Ewers look a little more competent uh, in this first outing, right? I mean, because the kid's got all the tools that you need to be successful, but he just didn't look, he looked labored, right? Or like he was delayed right. a little bit in some of his decision making. And, you know, some of the balls he threw left a little bit to be desired also. So, you know, week one to week two, we just said it, you know, the, the most improvement happens between week one and week two. Texas is going to improve. I think this is going to be a relatively good game. Um, 
this is in Alabama, right? So yep. I think that's that's yep. probably going to be a pretty ad- big big advantage for uh, Alabama. You know, I don't think that the Big Twelve teams fully understand. Like Texas and Oklahoma don't get it. They have no idea what they're walking into. Oh, they're about I, I've to get played, it. oh yeah, they'll get ready to figure it out real quick. I played uh, down in in Austin, and I played in Memorial Stadium in Norman, and I would tell you, you know, Bedlam brings something to offer. That stadium would get loud for Bedlam. But as a media member covering Oklahoma, I'm sitting there going, "What are y'all doing? This is not this is not what big time college football is." Uh, I've had a chance to go to an LSU game. I've seen an old Miss game down in the South. They do it a little different, and so Texas is going to be met with a crowd that is rowdy and loud, and it's going to have an impact on the game. Uh, you know, it can't be timid going into this one. Like Texas has got to take the fight to Alabama right off the bat. I didn't necessarily see anything on Saturday that made me believe that they had the capability of doing that. So. I mean, I'd like Bama probably by, you know, 14 at the end of the day. I think Texas will probably show up and, and fight decently in the first half of that game, but the title pull away. Yeah, I like Bama as well. I think last year when they played, you saw immediately in the trenches that Texas was meeting the physicality of Alabama. And if we see right. that again on Saturday, maybe we got a ball game. Uh, but the problem is when you go to Bryant-Denny, you can't just meet the physicality. You have to exceed it. And I think Texas is just going to have a hard time doing that on Saturday. It's a huge ask for them. Two Big 12 teams, Texas Tech, Baylor, both lost, both lost to mid-major teams in Texas Tech and Wyoming over the weekend, both playing at home this weekend. Baylor's hosting Utah coming off of their win against Florida, and Texas Tech is hosting Oregon in Lubbock. Do you think either of those teams get back in the win column this week, or are we looking at a world where both Tech and Baylor start 0-2? I'm still confident that Tech is going to show up this season. You know, I, I, I'm a believer in, in Coach McGuire and his mindset. I think maybe they got a little arrogant and cocky and sometimes teams with new success, right? New money teams, which is what Tech is. Uh, they can be a little literally complacent. Now. Yeah, right. I mean, they can go, they can go into a place like Wyoming and get beat by a decent little football team because they just thought they were going to show up and win. So I think Tech probably learns a valuable lesson about who they are and probably focus in a little bit more on their opponent in Oregon uh, this weekend. Now, Bo Nix and that group are no joke. We all know what Oregon brings to the table. They have one of the best pound-for-pound rosters uh, that you're going to find in college football. The Polynesian culture on that football team, to me, is always a huge reason why they're successful. I don't know if you ever played against any Polynesian kids, um, Todd, but it's like they are rooted to Mother Earth. Like the hardest people I've ever tried to block in my life have been you know, from the islands. So, you know, they're, those kids are going to play their tails off and they, they offer a physical challenge for tech. If I had to pick a, pick a team in this one, I'm probably still picking, um, I'm probably still picking Oregon to win it, but I think that you're going to see a competitive Texas tech, uh, at least competitive. And it wouldn't surprise me to see them win the game. Honestly, this is, this is probably a pick them to me, uh, there yeah. in Lubbock. That place is wild. And I'll tell you right now with all the excitement surrounding that football program, it might be the best venue in the Big 12 right now as far as the home field advantage is concerned. So I think they'll show up. Well, and I think um, just, you know, the big difference for me is Tech was on the road last week at Wyoming. Right. Baylor was at home against Texas State. And there was a lot, like I know Barry Trammell even picked it. He said, upset alert, you know, Texas Tech against Wyoming because it's a weird place to go play. Oh, yeah. Play in Laramie. And I think Texas Tech has that in their favor this week because now Oregon – has to come to a weird place in Lubbock and play them. So I look for Texas Tech. I don't know that they're going to win the game, but I think it's going to be one of the better games 
over the weekend. Here's another interesting one, Sam. Old Miss at Tulane. Tulane, everyone's darling last year. They're in the top 25 this year. They beat South Alabama, who's got Oklahoma State on the schedule coming up next week. Um, and, you know, everyone looked at Oklahoma State's schedule and thought South Alabama was going to be the toughest non-conference opponent, more than likely. Tulane took care of them 37-17 last week. They take on Ole Miss. They're seven-point underdogs in this game, Sam. But Tulane's schedule, they've got Southern Miss, uh, Nichols, UAB, Memphis, North Texas, Rice, East Carolina, Tulsa, Florida Atlantic, UTSA. I mean, they put themselves in a spot. If they can go to Ole Miss and win, they look at maybe running the table. Right. Yeah, it's a good little football team. They've done a great job recruiting, especially on their defensive line. We saw it a couple of years ago in Norman. Was that last two years ago? We saw that them show up in Norman. Years ago. That, yeah. that was two years ago. That was that's. And by the way, you talked about foot like Sam Houston State and football culture down yeah. there. That's a damn good culture in Louisiana as well. Football. Agreed, one hundred percent. You know, they they've got SEC uh, talent along their defensive line, their offensive line. They might be an inch or two shorter than what you're seeing in LSU or Alabama, but those kids absolutely play football. They're tough. They're physical. They're nasty. They're smart. Tulane is a very good academic school. Like a lot of those kids, you know, the people, I think that's an underrated narrative in college football year in, year out. Like you don't, you don't play dummies when you play Stanford. Yep. You don't play dummies when you play Duke. Right. And what, Clemson, what that means right? is, yeah, you saw it last night. Like they're, they're most same thing with like the West West point of the Naval Academy. These are our best and brightest young men on the, on the planet. These dudes don't go out and we want to make a bunch of mental mistakes because they're smart. They're smart guys, right? Tulane, one of those schools. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think Tulane probably has a chance against Old Miss. And I, I've got to say this because it's just so sad to me. Um, you know, Spencer Sanders made a, a choice to leave Oklahoma State. I'll never understand it. I mean, the kid was one year away from being, you know, statistically, probably arguably, you know, one of your top three guys in Oklahoma State history. He finishes this year. Gundy runs him off, doesn't want him back after he tested the portal. Now he's a backup quarterback at Old Miss. What? That's how you're going to spend your last year? Like, it's just a terrible situation. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's not how any of us expected it to end for Spencer Sanders when he announced he was going to Old Miss. I was actually kind of excited. Uh, but it is sad how that's all going to come to an end in his college career for him. Let's talk about one other non-Oklahoma game, uh, one, one other non-state game. Nebraska and Colorado, two teams – completely opposite week ones, right? Nebraska just absolutely goes down their leg and loses to Minnesota. And then Colorado has the performance of the weekend that everyone's talking about with Coach Prime going down to Fort Worth and winning. It's College football's weird, Sam. And Nebraska and Colorado is a rivalry game. I think this game is going to be very close. I know Colorado's like a two-and-a-half-point favorite. It would not shock me at all just with how weird Colorado and Nebraska are against each other historically and with how both are with first-year head coaches. If Nebraska comes out and wins this game by a couple touchdowns, right, like that would not shock me at all. That said, I'm really looking forward to a Nebraska-Colorado game that people care about again because those were, you remember, some of the best matchups back in the Big 8, early Big 12 days, uh, right. in the early mid-90s and even into the early 2000s. I would be interested to know what this week of practice is going to be like for Colorado and how difficult it is for Dion to reel his team back in. Uh, I would tell you that, you know, I, I think there was a lot of negativity coming Dion's way as he took this job and a lot of naysayers. And, 
you see him addressing that, you know, when each and every time he gets in front of a camera, uh, at some point you got to be a head coach though and get back to it. Right. Um, you know, Les Miles told us as kids that we had 48 hours to celebrate a win. And that was a Sunday walkthrough and a Monday on campus. And, a you know, like we had a real lazy Monday, no class or no practice Mondays, but then Tuesday morning you were done celebrating. You forget about that when it's time to go back to work. Um, you know, it's going to be difficult for Colorado to do when you talk about the media blitz that's going to happen this week. You know, they got a couple of Heisman Trophy candidates on that football team now. The lights are going to be on indefinitely, right? People want to know more, see more, hear more, do more. ESPN, Fox, both networks are going to be just up their tails. And Dion loves that stuff. He loves yeah. it. But you got to remember, you got some 18-year-olds on this team, right? You got 19, 20-year-olds on this team that at some point are going to have to focus on what happens next and prepare themselves for their next opponent. Uh, the thing that probably stuck out the most to me about Colorado, and no one's going to talk about it because of the performances between from uh, Shakur and and uh, what's the receiver's name? The, the, the Travis Hunter guy. kid. Yeah, Travis Hunter. The, their yeah. two performances were just absurd. But we have to talk about how Colorado lined up and took the fight to a TCU team that is also very physical. People don't want to give TCU a lot of credit for how physical they were a year ago. It's why they played for a national championship. That team would hit your ass. Colorado came out there and hit their ass. TCU absolutely answered the call. Don't get me wrong. TCU also went out there and, and laid the wood. But I was super impressed by how physical Colorado was along their offensive line, their defensive line. They, I don't know if you keep seeing, I keep seeing that highlight of that one short yardage touchdown run. With that tight end, I think it was a tight end, 85, yep. or that yep. just, I mean, a spine-rattling delivery of a blow playing the fullback position. That's big boy football, right? That is national championship contending football. Like, you can be all offense that you want to be and throw the ball as many times as you want to. At the end of the day, if you can't line up and just put your hand in the dirt and go get three hard yards, you're not going to be successful in college football the level that you want to be. Colorado, very capable of doing that. As a football team, I don't know. This season's going to be long. I don't know what their depth looks like. Can they withstand some injuries at key positions? I don't know. New football team. We'll see what he's done there. He hadn't had a chance to really, you know, to pad that roster. But that starting 22 is the real deal there in Colorado. No question about it. Well, and, you know, I don't think Travis Hunter's like going to all of a sudden uh, spontaneously combust because of how many snaps he's playing. Right. right? Like if, if you can play that many snaps, play that many snaps. But, when, especially when you're talking about interior guys, as physical as it was last Saturday in Fort Worth, it's going to be interesting to see, like you said. And I love you, you mentioned this sports to me so often give us life learning less, like life lessons, right? And one of those is like you have a great week at work, you celebrate it Friday night, maybe into Saturday, and Sunday, you better start getting ready to do it again Monday. Absolutely. Or you're going to get passed by, right? And I think like that's something you learn through sports and the harder that week before was the harder it is to get up the next Monday. So for Colorado, as hard as that game was on Saturday, as much intensity as there was, it'll be interesting to see if they get up this Saturday. All right, let's go down to uh, Arizona where the Cowboys are on the road. What do you think of Oklahoma state at Arizona state this weekend, Sam? Oh, I I even ask. I mean, it's, it's like I said, it's the toilet bowl, right? You're talking about two bad teams. You know, Oklahoma state's got to take that shit show on the road. So who knows? Uh, what they'll look like. I think Rangel gets a start if Gundy is smart um, and is the only quarterback that should play in the game. If you get out there and you start 
playing musical quarterbacks again in this. I don't know what's going to happen in this game. Uh, but I, I do feel like Oklahoma State probably the uh, maybe just a little bit better than uh, Arizona State at this point, question mark. <laughs> so um, I don't know that it's going to be necessarily high scoring. I think a lot of mistakes are made on both sides of the ball, probably quite a few penalties on both sides of the ball. Uh, Arizona State, you know, I think their reputation kind of precedes them. I, I, I think they'll probably try to be a little physical, probably a little – uh, mouthy, little dirty, mix it up a little bit, kind of get Oklahoma State to play in the mud. Um, but I guess I'll have to pick the Cowboys here. Um, let's say 17, you know, 13. And what's probably the, one of the ugliest games of the day. Thank God it's late. We should get some good football in us before we have to watch that crap. I don't know if it's thank God or not. I might want to wake up to that and not fall asleep to it. But right. um, I, I'm with you. Like, I, I don't know that either team is that good, but I also don't know what does 24-21 over Southern Utah mean for Arizona State. In the long right. run, you know, if we see Rangel the entire game, I think the game against Central Arkansas may have turned out differently for Oklahoma State. So I agree. Yeah. I, I just – I it'll be very – I'm just – I think with Oklahoma State – Going into week one, they were one of those Big 12 teams where we had the most questions about. Right. right? Like we we really had no answer to what, what was going to happen. And guess what? We're in week two, same questions. Right. Same questions. All I know is this. If guys are getting into the backfield as quickly and run plays, if Ollie Gordon's having to make a cut three yards behind the line of scrimmage in the first and third quarters like he was against uh, uh, Central Arkansas, Arizona State has enough scholarship guys that he's going to have to do that in the third and fourth quarters or second and fourth quarters as well. They're not going to wear down Arizona State just with pure numbers like they did uh, Central Arkansas on Saturday. So I I really I'm with you, Sam. It's I know the line's like three, three and a half. And I really think it's a field goal game one way or the other. Just probably who makes the biggest mistake is who loses this one on Saturday. Who's Oklahoma State favored? Oklahoma State is favored at the time of this recording by three okay. and a half. Okay. Yeah, I, I like that. Does that yeah. make you feel better or worse? Uh, it's probably where I, I would have picked it. So, yeah, yeah, probably about perfect. It sounds to me like you like the under, though. That might be your play on Saturday. Oh, yeah. What is the under? What is that number? Uh, I don't know what that number is. I think it's somewhere in the 50s, though. That's insane. That's yeah. an insane – yeah, I mean, this is – I'm taking that 100%. That's a lock of the yeah. week right there for me. Oklahoma's against SMU this weekend. The, the Sooners have SMU in Norman before taking their big, long, non-conference road trip this year up to Tulsa uh, coming up next week. Uh, but SMU comes in, the Sooners 16.5-point favorites. I, for me, Sam, the story of this game is offensively, I don't know that you're going to dominate like you did against Arkansas State. But SMU does not defensively have the horses to hang with Oklahoma if they don't make mistakes themselves. Um, I don't think it's going to be 73 nothing or anything. But at the same time, like, SMU may be able to score some points against Oklahoma, and this may be the first time we ask any real legit questions of the defense other than maybe can they get a sack every possession, which is what I think fans wanted right. on Saturday. Uh, but, you know, I – I think this line's probably about right. The Sooners probably win by about three touchdowns or so. I think it's probably going to be a little bit higher scoring game for SMU. Like maybe we're looking at a 42-21 or something like that. I think the total's 70 in this game. So Vegas expects it to be high scoring. Um, I I guess for me, two things for Oklahoma. Number one, continue dominance up front. You mentioned this when we talked post game on Saturday. 
And I do want to see Oklahoma continue to be good, but start showing some of that nasty. That, to me, the best OU offensive line showed. And I think if they do that, they have certainly enough depth at running back that they can lean on that a lot. And, uh, you know, I think last year where there were so many third-down situations that Oklahoma struggled, I think you steer away from those if you can run the ball in first and second down. And I think that would, you know, behoove the Sooners a lot this year if they can do that. And then the second thing for Oklahoma is defensively just continue to be sharp. Like I'm sure they're going to throw more looks at SMU. So while while they do get credit for lining up in the right places and doing the right things, it wasn't a very deep game plan on Saturday. Right. It's going to get deeper this Saturday. Continue to be sharp and show that you are really latching onto the Brent Venables defense in year two. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say that I guess if I had to give a score, probably 50 or 49-14 probably. I think that Oklahoma offensively led behind an offensive line that looks to be the strength of that team for the first time since Cody Ford and that group were out there in the field. I think they'll do what they want to do. I think Gabriel being pushed by Jackson Arnold is probably the best thing that's ever happened to him. Dylan Gabriel looked poised, calm, cool, collected, threw a great deep ball, threw a great mid-range ball. Last year, he couldn't throw the ball in the middle of the field, right? That It was that 15-yard pass that moved the chains pass that he just couldn't make consistently, and he was throwing it all over the place. Uh, I think that people want to talk about the number one receiver. I don't know about how you feel about it. I think they have a talented receiving room. Uh, I don't know that any of those guys really just leaps off the page for me right now, but I love Drake Stoops as their number one guy in my, in my head. If he's healthy, that dude's going to see the ball 10 times. He's going to get 10 and he's the best route runner on the team. I think Drake is underrated as far as his, his ability to move the chains for this football team. If you guys remember, um, oh, Todd, who was it? Hunter Renfro, right? Clemson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That dude was, he was, promise you, he wasn't one of the top 10 athletes on that team. But what he did do is run the best routes and he caught the damn ball. Drake Stoops is catching anything in his vicinity. You put it anywhere around yeah. him, that kid's going to go get that football. I would just say also Drake Stoops kind of leads the the room in this, but Oklahoma has and has, this goes back to Lincoln Riley. Like I know that Oklahoma was not a very physical team but they've done a pretty good job wide receiver wise of blocking on the edge, which is such a big part of college football nowadays. And Drake Stoops, I think what you and I also love about him is that he'll put his nose in there. He'll be a lead blocker on a run play. He'll come in motion and he'll come up in the hole and try to hit somebody like that's what he does. Remember at Texas, they ran that direct snap play where Kennedy Brooks was following Drake Stoops to a couple touchdowns in that game where Caleb Williams came in for uh, Spencer Rattler a couple years ago. So, I'm with you. Like I, I just continue to do what you're doing. The score is not going to be 73 nothing, but right. I don't think Oklahoma has any anything to worry about this weekend. All right, I'll last see. one, Sam. I would love for Kevin Wilson and Tulsa to go to Washington and give the Huskies a game. They're 30, like 36 and a half point dogs in this game. They're not going to go up there and win. But I don't know if you've You'll ever cover. been to the stadium. I don't know if you've ever been to the stadium in Seattle, but they have tailboating which is tailgating on boats because it's right on the water. That's incredible. In your years, either covering college football or playing college football, what's the coolest like tradition that you got to witness live? Oh, like like, I'll give, I'll give you one. I, it's not the coolest one, but when Kansas state does the Wabash cannonball and everyone's bouncing back and forth, yeah, that's a really cool tradition. Just stuff like that, that you got to witness live. Yeah, I'll, so it's funny that you mentioned that. So I went to a Thursday night game in Manhattan. Kansas State played Auburn. 
probably this is probably five, six. I mean, you and I were working together at a different station back then. And um, Kansas State's probably one of the most underrated college football experiences you're going to find in the country. That town, those fans, that stadium that sits in that hole, the weather conditions could be weird because of, of how it sits and the wind blows, but they have just a rich, crazy, fun atmosphere. Like it's just a small town vibe. They like to drink and have a good time. Uh, there in Manhattan, like it's it's nothing but good vibes there, no question. Um, probably my favorite Big Twelve town is Manhattan, second to Stillwater. I think Stillwater does a great. The Oklahoma State's got thirty thousand people at tailgate every game. Like they have figured it out there, the party in Stillwater, no question about it. Probably the craziest thing I've ever been a part of though is is LSU's. I went to a LSU Tennessee game in probably two thousand eleven, two thousand twelve, sometime in there, and and. uh the tailgating top was like two miles from the stadium. Like it was just insane. And just the number of gators that I saw on spits just ro- roasting in the streets. It was like, this is nuts, right? I mean, they just do it entirely different down in the South. The amount of people that were out there, you're talking about a hundred thousand seat stadium. And I, I swear, I promise you 90,000 of them got there 12 hours early to, to celebrate the game and a, and a festive, just drunken, drunken type of way. I mean, it was it was pretty awesome. We mentioned Colorado earlier. Did you get to see Ralphie run on the? Oh field? yeah. Oh dude, yeah. I almost got and hit you by. You were Ralphie. next to a live buffalo. That's got to be yeah. crazy, right? Oh dude, I'll, I'm standing. So this is my first travel game as a. I was redshirted, right? But I was good enough to make the travel team, and I'm I'm standing in the in the uh, the tunnel, the ramp, and I'm just looking around and checking things out. You know, I'm a kid, 18 years old. I wasn't playing, so it's not like I was super dialed in into the game. And I just remember feeling this hand grab my chest and yank me off to the side because here comes Ralphie just screaming up this rant that I was meandering around doing one of these things. Shout out to Josh Lynn for saving my life. He was one of the seniors that year. Uh, big uh, left tackle. I think Josh played left tackle. Big left tackle. Oh, no, right tackle. Um, big redheaded guy just saved me from just getting mauled by that Buffalo as I was just looking around, but yeah, definitely cool mascot, cool vibes in Colorado. You mentioned the fan base and I mean that you see the tickets in that deal. You can't get in that stadium for less than like 300 bucks. I know. I know. I know. And that's a great stadium. It's got the mountains in the background. One of the cool Colorado stories, their old former SID, Bill Platty, uh, Garen Emig, one of our colleagues here at sellout crowd told me that back in the day, Bill Platty, when they were working on their stories after the game, he used to bring them cold Coors Lights up in the press box. That's to awesome. Drink while they were filing their stories. So uh, back in the days when college football was, you know, for real men, even in the press box. Ugh. Yeah. No, no. I, I, I think now, uh, I think now you might get an O'Doul's if you're lucky in a press box or something like that. Right. Or just do like I do and bring your own booze. Hey, well, that's true. <laughs> Wait till you start living the Division Two life, Sam. We played at Missouri Southern last year. They didn't even have water in the press box, and there was no air conditioning. Oh, that's uh, yeah, that's not happening. Yeah, yeah, sorry. It's work and a workout at the same time. It's Oof. never a workout to talk to you, though, Sam. Uh, we're gonna obviously be on each other's sites a lot. You can find Sam stuff over at sammaze.com. Follow him on social media at All American Maze for all of his content. Uh, go to his YouTube channel, subscribe, like, do all that good stuff. Give us good ratings. Tell your friends. And if you think you're terrible, tell your enemies as well. Uh, <laughs> do, right? I mean, yeah, let them know. Just if you want to torture them, just give them our info and tell them to rate it five stars if they hate it. Uh, but yeah, go check out all Sam Mays' stuff at Sam Mays 
Com. You can find my stuff at ToddLismby.com. Same for me. Go like, subscribe, all that good stuff. And we'll have more for you here on the Sellout Crowd Network on the Todd Pod. Sam and I will be uh, we'll be going back and forth a lot on each other's sites. So uh, tune in for that during football season. Until next time, this has been the Todd Pod. Thanks for checking us out. 